0: Michigan Business Beat on Michigan Business Network, Jeff is sitting in for Chris Holman, on the road, on the island, Mackinac Policy Conference 2022, and we are here with Dr. Phil Knight, Executive Director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Dr. Phil, welcome back to the Michigan Business Beat. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be back. I feel like it's home. Exactly. Yes, you were a longtime host of our Leadership Lowdown, well taken care of by Vic Virturo, but we do miss you on the network. And as we are here on the island, also, we're into the month of June. Some folks may be familiar that we talked to you last month, and uh, there were some great topics at that point, but you're also the, the Edge Partnership VIP of the month that kind of gets you in as well. So lots of great reasons to talk to you. And while there's actually 10 reasons to talk with you here at the Mackinac Policy Conference, not just myself, but anybody that comes across you and wants to know more. So I'm going to start it out and uh, say we're going to just do like rapid fire with these points because there's not much time to fit 10 things into a discussion. But uh, with the unprecedented need during the pandemic, the state relied on FBCM. Tell us about that.
1: So when the pandemic hit, Jeff, all the food in the food bank's warehouses were already committed to some community someplace in Michigan. So who else has the infrastructure, the refrigeration, the trucking, the food safety record, the distribution network, 2,800 pantries that serve all of Michigan's 83 counties? No, only one organization can do that, unless it's Meyer or Kroger, and I don't think they're going to stop what they're doing to do what we do. So our food bank network was able to distribute record amounts of food. In fact, we increased our distribution by 47% during the pandemic.
0: Excellent. And FBCM, more reactive to the economy as it witnesses the misalignment of resources. What's that about?
1: Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. Some of the things we learned in in the pandemic was we have a lot of resources, but are they being used at the highest level of efficiency and effectiveness for the families and populations like seniors and children that they can be? So what we're looking to do as work out of the Governor's Food Security Council as well as the Food Bank Council is to align those federal resources and programs to make sure we can maximize the effort. A lot more to go into that, but suffice it to say that we we don't want the state to be in a position where we lose assets, resources, and households because we didn't
0: serve the population well enough. As you mentioned, a lot more to go into. Perhaps it'll be brought up with the $50 million line item for FBCM proposed by the governor.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's one of the first time the executive branch has resourced the work of the food banks, at certainly at this level. And what this $50 million would do would be divided over several projects, but one of the coolest ones would be what we call the Michigan Hunger Study. And so we would actually be able to survey the entire state through a sampling. My team would do that. We have the PhD researchers on staff to do that, and we would be able to make public a hunger study that would tell us who's hungry, where do they live,
0: and why.
1: And then we can craft the programs and solutions to address the why.
0: Addressing the why? Tell us a little deeper into why it matters. So let's think about it
1: in three ways. All of them are outcomes. So let's think about health outcomes. Let's think about educational outcomes. Let's think about workforce retention and particularly development. All these outcomes can be traced to food. So you say, why food? Well, third grade reading level by third grade is one of the best predictors of graduation rates. So now you're talking about educational outcomes and the quality of the workforce for the next 10 to 15 years. And, if, Jeff, if they're not well fed, kids will never be well read. So it's an investment in the future to make sure kids have access to food now.
0: Perfect. And I understand you're building something referred to as a closed loop referral system. Wow, It's
1: pretty cool. So no matter where anyone goes, to the doctor, to school, wherever, and they are screened for to be food insecure, then that referral would come to us at the food bank council. We would alert whatever appropriate food bank and their pantry and that person would get food and when that food happened, whether it was in a distribution, a choice pantry, or home delivery, we would be notified and would notify back to the doctor's office, let's say, that screened originally for that child, that person to be food insecure. So the loop gets closed. We know that the person got food. Instead of just doing a referral, we don't know what happens after that.
0: We close that loop. Tremendous. Briefly tell us about the first ever Michigan Hunger Study.
1: Ah, well, that, you know, I, I leaked, I leaked a little early on that yeah, one. I'm, am yeah. I'm, a, I'm a pretty excited about it. But that work is,
0: is a baseline
1: work. I mean, we think we have 1.3 million people who are food insecure. That's based on a study done by Feeding America, our national organization. But that study hasn't been done in several years. We've got to update this. And I'll tell you, Dana Nessel said to us yesterday, I don't know how you do this work without that kind of data and research. So that's the attorney general who's already endorsing this line item that this would fund the Michigan Hunger Study
0: to echo back to you health food insecurity there's some good news that it could be quick and inexpensive to solve
1: well I would say this you know God forbid that we would be what we deal with diabetes or hypertension or something like that but if it's insulin that you're having to buy rather than the ability to cook to prevent this with access to healthy nutritious food then you really you, it's it's Food's pretty cheap, Jeff. It's a lot better, lot cheaper than medicine. Let me tell you it like
0: that. From there, the USDA food kind of at a a low point there in in availability. So, tell us a little deeper into what's really being experienced.
1: So. During the pandemic, the USDA, through a variety of programs, both across the Trump and Biden administration, would furnish up to 30% of the food the food banks distributed. Now, keep in mind, we increased our distribution by 47%. So we're talking millions of pounds of food here that the community needs. And right now, the USDA is only giving us about 8% of the food we're distributing. So we're having to make that up by going out into the market and purchasing that food ourselves. And that's... You know, we all know what supply chain issues are. So it's not that there's a food shortage. I don't want anybody to ever think that. But we do have a a bottleneck in processing. So there might not be a bit of cardboard this week, or there might not be enough aluminum for the canned goods. So it's not a food shortage, but it is a supply chain issue. And so we're just trying to make sure that we have the, the right amount of food that the community needs. And right now, it's pretty low
0: this community hears about SNAP, and they have emergency allotments, what's the status there? Yeah. So, we were a little worried a couple
1: of weeks ago because the federal government has to give the states two months' notice about these emergency allotments for the SNAP, or what we would call the food stamp program, and, and that deadline passed, thankfully because once the emergency order regarding COVID comes off, then everybody reverts back to what they were pre-COVID. So that could mean about 65,000 seniors would lose on average $100 a month in SNAP food benefits. So they could go from $117 right now back to what they were at pre-COVID, which was like $17 a month. And that's just gonna make our lines a lot longer.
0: And when you hear numbers like that, the big elephant in the room is inflation at over eight percent. Where does that put food
1: security for families? It's uh, Jeff. It is. It's the highest inflation of my lifetime, and I was around for Carter. (laughs) So yeah. So you know, I'm the the same effect that it's having on families is having on food banks because we're buying the we're buying food. We're just doing it in bulk, right? And so the eight and a half percent interest you know it is devastating to our ability now with the usda not providing as much food and inflation impacting our ability to purchase food we're in the midst and if they had pulled those snap allotments that emergency allotment that would have been a perfect storm we got one of those storms to extend out we think they'll last now through probably through the election <laughs> yeah. so
0: fair enough well we're on the island Mackinac Policy Conference 2022 and you, you had a lot of great information to share with us and I'm sure if someone who met you at the back in Lansing later on they're welcome to talk to you about that how might they go about getting a hold of you and finding out more about these issues
1: yes yeah, great you, you can find us on our website which is M I C H Dot org That's foodbankcouncilofmichigan.org. I'm there, and you can track me down anytime Or you can just call Jeff. He knows how to get me good.
0: Excellent. Well, Dr. Phil, thank you so much for spending some time with the Michigan Business Beat today. It's my pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Tremendous. Once again, Dr. Phil Knight is the Executive Director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, based out of Lansing, but serving statewide. And, uh, well, we've just been sharing 10 reasons why you want to talk with Dr. Phil here at the Mackinac Policy Conference for 2022. We'll be back with more on the Michigan Business Beat on Michigan Business Network.